0: I think I'm losing my grip. It's riding high, I'm laying low. My troubles grow, my ego's laughing. And I've about to explode. I got a monster in my head.
1: I fed a will and watched it grow.
0: And I was cut off my connection.
1: Welcome one and all to the Danger Room, the X-Men Comics Commentary Podcast. My name is Adam. My name is Jeremy. And we are here to discuss the all-new, all-different X-Men number 106, the August 1977 issue titled... Dark Shroud of the past. Ooh. This one says
2: on the cover the angel is back and he's come to murder the new X-Men with their
1: own leaders, deadly eye blasts. So does that mean the angel meets them on the other side of the dimensional Stargate? I
2: think that this is the person that's been talking to the professor the entire time.
1: You don't think it was Lilandra Neramani?
2: Well, maybe Lilandra Neramani is actually angel in disguise. Wow, <laughs> I I don't know. Um, I think you do know. <laughs> uh, what we can derive from this cover is that the angel is wearing his old
1: costume. So that's interesting. I, I guess we can derive that. Certainly not his champion's costume.
2: Is he in the? Is he is he in the champions at this point in the Marvel universe? Like, as this issue is published, maybe not maybe not the continuity-wise.
1: As this issue is published, yes.
2: Hmm. Okay. And I can also derive, based on the cover of this and that little splash thing about the Angel being back, that none of the X, other X-Men are back. So it's just Angel versus the new X-Men. That's what it seems like. Yeah, okay. All right. Well, uh, as, as, the, as we've described, it is Angel holding up Cyclops' goggles and blasting at Colossus, Storm, and Nightcrawler.
1: The rest of the X-Men have
2: disappeared. Yeah. Presumably, Cyclops has disintegrated them.
1: Another lackluster Cockrum cover. Oh, this one is super phoned in. <laughs> <laughs> not one of his best. No, he's, he's just not a cover guy. I mean, we've said it before. It's it remains true.
2: So as we open this book up, uh, we see that the creative team is Claremont, Mantlo, Brown, Cockrum, Sutton, Rosen, Yanketh, Goodwin. There's a lot of names in there. So we know Goodwin is the publisher. We know Yanketh is the colorist, I think. And we know Rosen is the letterer. Sutton must be the inker.
1: Andy Yankus is the colorist. Uh, Joe Rosen is the letterer. Mm-hmm. Archie Goodwin is the publisher, or editor in chief, I suppose. Uh, Tom Sutton is the inker. Okay. The pencilers, because there's two, are Dave Cockrum and Bob Brown. And the writers are Chris Claremont and Bill Mantlo.
2: Oh, so really. In order to get this next part of the whole Lilandra Nirimani story going, they brought in everybody to write and draw this episode, or this issue.
1: Indeed. <laughs> Although you wouldn't be able to tell that from this uh, description of the, the players involved in this production because they do not tell you who does what.
2: Nope, they do not. We learn later who everybody is and what they do, uh, but we'll get to that at the end of the episode um so yeah it's called dark shroud of the past uh and it starts right where we left off last issue with firestorm or fire lord whatever his name is uh flying in and getting ready to kill professor Xavier and
1: misty knight and gene gray's parents is firestorm a dc villain or hero who happens to look almost exactly like this
2: I'm not really sure who Firestorm is. Is this Firelord?
1: This is Fire Lord, but okay. I feel like Firestorm was in one of those superhero cartoon shows.
2: Oh, I don't, uh, none that I recall. And the only one that I would have recalled is Super Friends. Mm. Seriously, not, oh, and I guess Batman the Animated Series. But other than that, I'm, I'm just not, never really been into the DC titles. I don't know why. I know why. Why is that? they're stupid. (laughs) Stupid DC with their stupid comic books. (laughs) Their stupid new 52. All right, anyways.
1: So, yes, we pick up exactly right where we left off. Fire Lord is yelling at the professor who is yelling at Fire Lord when suddenly the professor screams, My mind! Well, apparently we don't actually see him scream, but then Fire Lord says, The human cried out, is he in pain? Yeah. I guess I guess what's happening is now that Lalandra has disappeared again, the nightmares have returned.
2: And he's no strength left to fight them. Fire Lord has uh seemed to dropped his uh Oh, where's Phoenix? I'm going to kill Phoenix. You better tell me where Phoenix is, pretense. And now he is Well, she's not around. Right, but now he's showing concern for the professor. And uh what's interesting is uh Misty Knight's like, Whoa, oh, what do you care? Buster, you tried to kill him. We mean you no harm. And that's the last time we'll see Fires Lord in this issue.
1: <laughs> that is true. <laughs> Which is interesting. Although pres- presumably he's he's around, but Yeah, just just not in this issue. Right.
2: Uh, So he is now talking about, the professor that is, is now talking about the dream, and he's also referring to Misty as Moira, and talking about how every night the dreams are the same, pulling them deeper and deeper. Help me, Moira. Oh,
1: Lord, he thinks I'm Moira McTaggart. He can't deal with reality anymore, so he's running inside, trying to hide. I like how she just knows exactly what's going on. Yeah, I was going to wonder... How does she know
2: all of this? Has she formally been introduced to Moira McTaggart?
1: She's like a psychic psychologist,
2: yeah, I guess so. She either decides to start talking like Moira or the professor just hallucinates that
1: Moira's talking to her.
2: Oh, I guess actually this, he's flashing back. That's what's happening. yeah
1: I did at first think that he would that uh Misty Knight was pretending to be Moira, too,
2: yeah. It's a little deceiving, but yeah, it does say here that uh, it's the dream sweeps the professor back to a time in the X-Men's Westchester mansion a few days after Moira McTaggart's arrival. So somewhere... Back in
1: X-Men 96.
2: Yep, somewhere around X-Men, after X-Men number 96. The professor's laying in his bed talking about the dreams and that he's sorry he hurt her. Oh, I guess, mm. is this a little bit of backstory? Like maybe the professor cheated on her or something? I guess so. Because actually, I honestly don't know why the professor and Moira split up.
1: So hopefully we'll find out at some point. Even after all these years, part of me still loves you. Or loves you still, says Moira. Mm. And she calls him a braidu, which I could not find on Google Translate.
2: Ah, it hurts me to see you so, because Bredu, and there's like a little apostrophe over the E, even after all these years, part of me still loves you. So to our uh, Scottish or Irish listeners, is Bredu something, or is that just something
1: else? All I could find of Bredu was uh, from the novel by Marion Zimmer Bradley, I guess it's one of the World Divided series. It means friend, oh. but it also means a family relationship, cousin or brother, or it could mean it could mean those things. <gasps> I, I don't know. I, I don't know if this is accurate. This might be a made up language for this book, but that's what I that's what I found when I typed in, "What does do mean?" If, into Google. Are you
2: telling me that the professor and Moira are cousins?
1: Uh, no, I'm telling you that they may consider each other family.
2: Uh Oh, oh okay. That's still kind of weird. Right. <laughs> All right, well, anyways, we flash over to the danger room where the artwork has taken a dramatic turn for the worst.
1: Oh, <laughs> <laughs> well, this is where Bob Brown takes over. Yes. So I
2: believe the prior two pages were done by Cockrum and then these... Pages moving on are Bob Brown, who we'll talk about at the end.
1: Also, awesome. they are now written by Bill Mantlo. Okay, and you can tell because Wolverine is referring to himself in the first person.
0: Way to go, Wolvie!
1: Wait a minute, wait a
2: minute. Now, since this takes place after issue ninety-six but before issue one hundred or ninety-nine, does do we have to go back to the squeaky voiced Wolverine?
1: I think we
0: do.
2: Way to go, Wolfie. Dodging those losers lasers is a peach compared to the assault course back at Alpha Base.
0: <laughs> Zoinks.
2: <laughs> yep, and he's doing, like, some weirdo flying kick while uh, his goody bits are being sizzled off by what looks like a laser.
1: <laughs> I like this flying kick. It's very silly. <laughs> it's It's silly, but without being too stupid. No, it's pretty stupid, isn't it? <laughs> I'm not sure why he would be jumping in the air to dodge this laser. It just doesn't look like a very good dodging pose to begin with.
2: No, it's like he's running away from the flamethrower, which is behind him, but then the laser came out, so he's doing a hurdle over it.
1: Well, you clearly have a better visualization of this than I do. <laughs> I just, I'm just, i just trying to make it work, man, that's all. To me, he's just doing, like, Lord of the Dance.
2: <laughs> oh, Okay. And this is when um, Colossus, who in mine is skin-colored, so maybe he hasn't... Oh, he is skin-colored, so he's in his uh, Peter form. He's running towards Wolverine, and uh, at this point he decides to turn into
1: Metal Colossus. Right, because he sees what Wolverine does not see is that uh, a steel girder is falling from the ceiling directly onto Wolverine, And Colossus pushes Wolverine aside and uh, takes the brunt of the blow of the steel girder. Ugh! (laughs) And, uh,
2: oh, you crazy Russian, what do you think
0: you're doing? (laughs) Woof! Let's hear it for Petey, pure heart, boy, hero. (laughs) What's with you, bub? Bucking for a medal?
2: And Colossus says that he thought he was in danger, and he thought he would try to help out, but next time he won't because he'll know better,
1: or something like that. Something like that. And Wolverine pops his claws, and he says, "Let's see if that steel skin of yours can be cut by my claws." And that's when a almost a zit shows up. A <laughs> <It's> zist <laughs> by Wolverine's adamantium
2: claws. <laughs>
1: Back off, mister. Now. She's those claws over, you so help me. My next optic blast go de- goes down your throat, says Cyclops. Okay, there's a couple of things I want to talk about as
2: we move forward in this book. Because in this p- panel, which you just read, uh, there's uh, Cyclops, Storm, Banshee, and Nightcrawler. And they all look they all look pretty decent. They all look normal. Uh, particularly Cyclops' goggles look normal. And as we go to the next panel, uh, it looks like his goggles
1: double in size.
0: Mm.
1: I see what you're saying, but I, uh, yeah, I don't know. I don't think they're they're that bad, but yeah, I see what you're saying.
2: They get they get a little bit more bulbous in the next panel, and it he's, does kind of look buggy. And uh, he says, "I've about had it with your mad killer act, pal."
0: It's no act, leader man. And if you don't believe me, keep pushing. <laughs> If anyone's
2: going to back off, it's going to be you, Cyclops. You've been riding us all since Thunderbird died.
0: Hitting us with the old X-Men did it this way, or they did it that way, man. I'm sick of it. If we're edgy, it's because you won't get off our backs.
2: And Banshee comes to Wolverine's rescue and says, Aye, the midget has a point, boy-o. Like it or not, the old team is gone. The new X-Men may be a bit rougher on the edges, Cyclops, but it's all we've got. If you catch my meaning. And he goes on. He's, like, got a whole speech prepared. Look at Cyclops' goggles in this panel. (laughs) I don't don't know how yours is colored, but basically, like, everywhere there's mask on his face that's near his goggles is painted gold.
1: Yeah, yeah. (laughs) His eyes are red, too. It's weird.
2: Do you have little beady red eyes? Yeah, there's little beady red eyes sticking out of the visor portion, which is like a big oval now. He, he doesn't have the same detail or look as he did in the previous page. I don't think that Bob Brown drew this, or he was having a stroke as he was drawing this. Because <laughs> Cyclops, for the rest of this book, Cyclops will just look stupid. But the Storm on the next panel, she looks pretty good, and the rest of the X-Men look fairly decent. But Cyclops is just looking stupid.
1: He hasn't quite got the, the goggles down, I guess.
2: Yeah, but he does on the previous page is what I'm getting at. Like, he did it right, and then he and he's like, "Ah, eh, that looks dumb. I'm going
1: to do it wrong from here on out. Maybe <laughs> he he was trying something new, and he liked what he did. I guess.
2: Oh, these are so much cooler when you make them more bulbous.
1: <laughs> so Cyclops takes Banshee's point and says, I, I have been pushing myself too hard and, and blaming myself for Thunderbird's death and taking it out on you guys. I'm sorry. I I just never lost an X-Man before.
2: Death's part of life, Bob. Coping with it's a better part
1: of being a leader. If you can't, maybe you should quit. Yeah, that Wolverine comes in with the... uh, Again, just always saying the wrong thing. Yeah, agreed. Storm just tells him to shut up. (laughs) Cyclops leads the X-Men... We need no one else. If that does not satisfy you, perhaps you should be the one to leave.
2: And this is actually pretty in
1: character for Storm,
2: because this is not the first nor the last time that Storm kind of keeps Wolverine in check. So
1: I like that consistency. This is when a voice from off-panel says, Great idea, Honey Bunch. Now here's a better one. Why don't all of you freaks go with him? Cyclops looks
2: up. That
0: voice? Who?
2: He, it looks like he recognizes the voice, but he's still
1: not quite convinced. So he has to ask, Who? And it's angel leaning and flying how do you fly and lean? He's like standing in midair, but fly does he have this ability to levitate like this? No, <laughs> this doesn't make sense.
2: He's walking on air essentially i mean there's there's some motion ticks around his um his wings, but yeah, for the no, he can't do this
1: so presumably this is a still panel, and his wings are furiously flapping in the background. <laughs> He's like a hummingbird.
2: So he's like, oh, quickly they forget. Out of sight. Whew, out of mind, A eh, Don't tell me you for. Oh, man, this is really hard work. i got to come down to your level. Hang on, I'll threaten you down from there.
0: Whoo.
1: <laughs> yes.
2: <laughs> Cyclops is uh, wondering what Warren is doing here. He thought he was out on the west coast. W- what would he be doing out on the west coast at this time?
1: Um, I think that's where the champions is happening.
2: But was the Champions happening around the issue ninety seven ninety eight 98 time frame?
1: Champions issue 1 happened prior to Giant Size number 1, so there you go. Oh, okay. I just looked it
2: up. Well done, stupid continuity. Always getting in the way. Angel threatens Cyclops and uh, talks about how the X-Men are... Like, creature features, I guess. Like, talking about how freakish they are.
1: Cyclops is very confused. He doesn't understand why Angel's acting so weird and being a total dork, man. Yeah. That's what he says. Stop being a total dork, man. He gets grabbed by his
2: underwear. People change, Scotty, my lad. Some people better for the better, some for the worst. Hey! Hey! And we see that Beast, wait a minute, he's not supposed to be in this issue.
1: <laughs> not according to the cover.
2: We see that Beast is hanging on a, uh, I don't know, the same thing he swung in on X-Men number one. Right. It's very handy that those things are just everywhere for him.
1: <laughs> he must be in the danger room in X-Men number one. Ah, maybe. And, and Magneto is too. <laughs>
2: And uh, Cyclops is still confused. Beast, what are you talking about?
1: Nightcrawler recognizes the fact that Beast should be a a true beast right now because we saw him in our giant-sized adventure. And he called
2: from Avengers Mansion.
1: Our follow-up to the the giant-sized adventure, rather.
2: Yes. The Doomsday, to warn us of the Doomsday scenario, which oddly is what that issue was called. He was a true beast himself.
1: Watch your mouth, Fuzzy Wuzzy, says Iceman, appearing. Nobody calls my block-headed buddy an animal and gets away with it. Well, Iceman's around.
2: <laughs> this is insane. Just weeks ago, we parted as friends.
0: You're no friend of mine, witch!
2: <laughs> Gods of
0: Earth and Air, Jean Grey... It's Marvel Girl to you, sister. And if any of you clowns figure on keeping title to the name X-Men, forget it.
1: Now, this is weird because didn't this already happen in X-Men 100? Yes. This dialogue all happened. Well, we'll find out more about all of this at the end of the issue. Why, did, why did, during X-Men 100 wasn't anybody like, this is happening again? <laughs> Man, it feels like we just fought you. How many times are we going to have to fight the old X-Men? <laughs>
2: uh good good point. Good point. Well, anyways, uh they they fight. I mean, that's really all they do.
1: Yeah, um you know, they they notice that there are still some some more weird things. Uh they uh, Nightcrawler points out that the X-Men chose to leave and and uh the Iceman says we changed our minds Furface Who you calling a psycho punk Says Wolverine with a stupid look on his face
2: For some reason uh, I guess Wolverine is going to go after Iceman but Nightcrawler Swings in from whatever he's holding on To get uh, Wolverine away from Iceman But then Beast comes in I think and punches Nightcrawler And I don't know what happened to Wolverine
1: yeah, this is a very strange panel. Beast is not in the first panel, but appears in the second panel. Wolverine's in the first panel, but does... Oh, I know what happened. Wolverine turned into Beast and then turned around and knocked down Nightcrawler.
2: Oh, so Beast also has doppelganger powers. Right. Or does Wolverine have doppelganger powers? Oh, maybe it's a secondary
1: mutation. Oh my
2: God! Cyclops is still calling, Re- trying to call reason to this whole thing, telling all of them to break it up. Uh, this, if this is a joke, it's gone long on long enough, it's, it's in poor taste, and I want some explanations, and I want them now.
1: <laughs> at which point, uh, his goggles look okay in this one. Yes. Yeah. Panel down here. Uh, Angel picks Cyclops up, brings him all the way to the ceiling, and tosses him to the floor, at which point uh, Cyclops realizes, uh-oh, this just got real. Lord, they're serious. A fall from this height could kill me, and Warren's laughing about it. Banshee! Angel says the new
2: X-Men are going to wish they were never been born. <laughs> really just giving it to him there. Yep, Banshee swings in and saves a falling Cyclops. I hey, hear the hatred in their voices. It's as if
1: we'd never been friends. They want us dead, Scotty. It's that simple. Marvel Girl fights Storm with stuff. Storm fights her back with... Wind. Sure. Storm notices that uh, there's some. I sense no life about Jean now, as if she possessed humanity's form, but not its substance.
0: Hmm.
2: I think some of this has got to be rewritten dialogue because it also says uh, earlier, but just last week I helped Jean and her roommate, Misty Knight, decorate their new apartment. I don't know that we knew Misty Knight at this point, or did we?
1: Uh, so, you, so you definitely think that Chris Claremont went in and filled in some of these balloons? That makes sense because if they didn't, then Chris Claremont had like ten issues planned ahead, and he was like, "Okay, here, here's what's gonna happen in ten months. You can, you can lay some of the groundwork for this."
2: Well, not only that, uh, Storm also talks about uh, "I sense no life about Jean now, as if she possessed humanity's form but not its substance." I thought in one of the previous issues they talked about her being able to sense uh, life essence or something.
1: Yeah,
0: but,
2: yeah. But that was definitely post-issue 96. I can't remember what the context was, but I know we commented that I don't recall seeing that power in the future. Well, I mean, I guess right. now, other than here.
1: So, <laughs> anyhow. Bob Brown draws very pointy women's breasts.
2: <laughs> yes. I haven't commented on them because I'm not particularly a fan of them. They're very I guess they almost look like Archie and Veronica breasts.
1: They're like torpedoes. <laughs> Marvel girl's breasts are looking like they're about to fire off at Storm in this panel. Pew pew.
2: Yeah, I don't know. They're they're very unrealistic. Uh Yeah.
1: Well, she's just got a very secure bra,
2: I guess. <laughs> uh can't be comfortable. That's all I got to say. <laughs> Wolverine comments that it's weird that Ice Ice Cube's pushing all the right buttons to make me crazy, but it ain't working. It's like my senses are telling me he's here, but he ain't here. What does
1: all that mean? He, he's got some philosophy on the brain. How can someone be here yet not be here? Oh, well, snicket. it.
2: So, <laughs> So in the X-Men 100, he relied on his senses to determine that the X-Sentinels were just that, X-Sentinels. And he was able to be like, oh, this isn't Jean," and then gut her. And in this instance, his senses are telling him that it's Iceman, but he's like, no, this isn't Iceman. Right? Right. And how is that possible? How is that happening?
1: Why doesn't he gut Iceman?
2: Well, why doesn't he... Why is he not believing his senses?
1: Um, Well, because in this case, he doesn't quite know what it is, whereas I'm guessing in X-Men 100, he kind of knew it was a robot. Hmm. Like he smelled the oil or something. I don't know.
2: Well, we still haven't determined what Wolverine's senses are other than he's got heightened senses.
1: With Marvel Girl in issue 100, he just didn't know... He could sense that it wasn't Marvel Girl. With Iceman here now, he doesn't sense anything, and he's confused.
2: Okay, Wolverine confused. Well, Iceman uses his uh, standard trick of freezing up, or Wolverine, into a block of ice. Uh, although he misses an arm, which is weird.
1: It's his, it's actually fairly effective against Wolverine, who cannot smash through the ice like everybody else. And then we get a panel of Wolverine with his one free arm, uh I guess he's his entire elbow is free, yeah, so he he swings his claws, breaks the ice above his head, and then is free in the next panel. I'm not sure how
2: exactly um I guess. Probably off panel, he just flexed his muscles like everybody else does when they're encountering iceman 's uh, ice blocks, and he just he just burst through that's my guess anyways. Banshee takes off towards Angel because he's going to take him out, and that's when Cyclops' goggles get really, really, really huge <laughs> these These aren't bad
1: though I mean they're
2: terrible. Uh... <laughs> He's got big red beady eyes. His face is fine. His hand is fine. His neck is fine. But those goggles. I think he's trying to do some sort of perspective thing, but it just
1: looks terrible. They're not as bad as on, like, the next page in the last panel. All right. They're pretty bad there, too, but
2: these are horrible.
1: <laughs> Banshee goes up to take on the angel one-on-one, and Cyclops thinks to himself, oh we 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 shouldn't be doing one on one stuff cuz the old x men are fighting fighting as a team like they always did right remember when they always would fight as a team yes remember that i i no no, no you, you don't <laughs> <laughs> but but i also
2: want to point out that they're not fighting as a team each no. of the old x men have chosen a new x man and they're fighting that new x man Except for one X-Man who's not been featured at all for half of this book who could probably do something about all this.
1: Interestingly, I'm thinking that maybe Cyclops thinks this is what fighting like a team is all about. (laughs) Oh.
2: They're beating us, so they must be fighting like a team. (laughs) Well, the X-Man that I'm referring to is Colossus, and we still won't see him for another page. So, like, what has he been doing this whole time? He's been flexing. (laughs) <laughs> I, I am so going to get into this fight in just another minute. <laughs> <laughs> waiting, waiting.
1: Oh, my stealing up powers are working very slow. <laughs> yeah. He's like halfway done.
2: Banshee flies up to Angel and screams a tight beam sonic blast. And it looks painful. Angel screams out in pain, God in heaven, my ears, my mind. And he falls and... Cyclops is all worried, but then Angel surprises him and is like eh, such concern for someone who's trying to kill you. I'm touched, and then he puts Cyclops into a hammer lock
1: can't twist out of it without breaking an arm Cyclops I, I blocked out the screen with my with earplugs and never felt the thing. It was all an act designed to sucker you in close enough for me to do this
2: that's plausible because I mean there was earplugs and Whatever the original x men banshee issue was was there, yeah, 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 yeah.
1: remember uh well, those were like full on friggin those weren't plugs, those were like helmets, no,
2: no, 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 they had uh, little molded earplugs that Marvel Girl had to help uh the professor put on, an angel put on, but I thought they
1: were more complicated than just earplugs. I thought they were like covered their entire ears or something,
2: yeah, probably it's been
1: a while, I don't remember. Well, your buddy Colossus finally shows up. Finally. Uh, and and he uh, runs over to help Cyclops and gets a face full of optic blast for it.
2: So he's proven to be completely ineffective, this, ish- this issue so far. Uh, Cyclops is blasting and blasting and blasting. Colossus is all like, oh, I can take it. I am Colossus. But then he thinks to himself... Oh, the beams are beginning to burn through my armored body. They
1: hurt. We should point out that the reason Cyclops is blasting Colossus is because Angel ripped his mask off. Oh,
2: we skipped that? Hmm. That's pretty important. It wasn't
1: just Cyclops being vengeful. <laughs> <laughs>
2: it's just like the cover told us would happen. Cyclops is right. being used as a weapon against the new X-Men.
1: Bob Brown was like, I cannot get these goggles
2: right. I just, I quit. <laughs> I have to get them off of his head. <laughs> Done. Well, while Angel is fidgeting with Cyclops' goggles, uh, which he actually tosses aside, if you'll see that third panel over there.
1: It's also interesting to note that when Cyclops blasts Colossus, it makes a mighty Shazam sound, and then Shazam appears and says, <laughs> Hello, everyone. Did somebody call for me? <laughs>
2: At that point, uh angel loosens up his grip enough for Cyclops to get an elbow across Angel's face, which knocks him
1: down. You're weakening big Phyllis is angel, and you're out of the ball game, mister yeah. says Cyclops and uh Cyclops
2: then gives the full brunt of his optic beams to Angel and says, "Whoever you are, angel, you talk too much." You said you'd protected yourself from Banty's scream with earplugs, but the low-frequency harmonics he used would have hit you through—would have hit you through your skull itself via bone conduction. What? <laughs> <laughs> well, duh.
1: Everybody knows that. Uh, Cyclops' master of thesis in college was on bone conduction. <laughs> in other words, you're not him. Hey, Marvel Girl, you want to read my uh, report on bone conduction?
2: No! <laughs> now, I want to also point out here that the inking has turned very heavy in this panel, whereas in previous panels, it's been very thin. I feel like there's multiple inkers on this
1: issue as well. Not according to the credits. Hmm. But maybe somebody got tired, or maybe maybe the penciling got thicker. And therefore, the inking had to get thicker? I don't know.
2: It's very inconsistent because as we go to the next page, it gets thin, but then there's some thick inking and some thin inking. It just goes back and forth. It's very strange. But yeah. Uh, Anyways, Beast and uh, Nightcrawler are now going toe-to-toe. On a wall. What's happening in the background? Uh, Banshee's on the ground. Cyclops is blasting. Colossus is ready to do something. And it looks like... Is that Marvel Girl leaping
1: over the blast? I guess so. Huh, weird. Cyclops would appears to be blasting Marvel Girl. Okay, fair enough.
2: I suppose he's figured it all out now, so he's, he's going to blast them all. Yeah. Uh, so as uh, Beast and uh, Nightcrawler go toe-to-toe, it doesn't really work, because Beast just flips Nightcrawler over him, and pinches a nerve junction in his neck. So he can now barely think for the pain. So
1: he is falling to his death, which Colossus recognizes that from the way that he's falling, he must be in trouble and um, gets ready to catch him. But then we cut over to Cyclops, who is still blasting crazily all over the place and is trying to find his goggles, reaching around on the floor. Where's my blasted visor? I'm no good to anyone like this. The X-Men need me. Damn these eyes!
2: (laughs) Fortunately, he's able to find the goggles because they're basically right next to him. That was handy. Uh, Nightcrawler is caught by Colossus, and then uh, Nightcrawler says, I can't teleport, uh, so why don't you throw me up there? Which a heavily inked Colossus does.
1: (laughs) And he says lao Fantastiche! which is a um which is an uh, i guess i was i was is is i thought maybe it was French or something but i guess it's just slang mm. for uh it means to uh go get up or go on or uh get up there um it was it was originally it's used to describe an acrobatic or physical feat, especially one involving a leap or lift upwards. Hmm. But it is not a foreign language. It is it is slang, and sometimes it's spelled A L L E Y.
2: Yeah. Now look at this panel here. Look at how heavily Colossus is inked and how thinly uh, Nightcrawler is inked.
1: It's got to be the pet slang then.
2: It's almost as if. And look look at the size of Nightcrawler as compared to Colossus. It almost looks like they drew him in afterwards. Like, maybe in the original story, Colossus was catching something else and then throwing something else at Beast. Because I could literally take Nightcrawler out of almost every one of these panels and substitute him with anything else, because he just doesn't look like he fits. Look at even the third panel. Like Beast is heavily inked, Colossus is way in the distance and he's heavily inked, but then Nightcrawler's just like a sketch being thrown at Beast.
1: Mm, I don't know. Look at Nightcrawler's uh, lower leg there. Like, that's that's pretty thick.
2: I don't know. It just doesn't seem like he fits, but whatever. Well, anyways, he does uh, get thrown at Beast, and uh, now Beast says, you should have quit while you're ahead, and then Nightcrawler screams, quite the contrary Herr McCoy.
0: You should never have begun!
2: And then we get a nice full-page spread. Cyclops is
1: swinging in on a rope. Where did this come from?
2: (laughs) I have no idea. He's got his goggles back. He is definitely swashbuckling his way in. I don't know. Marvel Girl has, I guess, used her telekinesis on a claw that has come out of the floor to hold uh, Storm down.
1: At first I thought Storm was just sitting in, like, her throne, just holding court over everyone.
2: (laughs) Uh, Banshee is being iced up by Iceman. Uh, Angel's flying around. Looks like Nightcrawler's got a hold of Beast. And uh, Wolverine is just, eh, basically Wolverine and Colossus are just kind of hanging around.
1: I think Wolverine's running towards Colossus and saying, Petey, fastball special me up to Angel. No, Petey is
2: pushing me up to Angel. <laughs> <laughs> Angel says, heck, Scott, you don't even know who or what is creating us. You
1: can't stop us. Which is a response to Cyclops telling everybody as he's swinging on the rope that we're not fighting people at all. We're fighting images. Dun, dun, dun. At which point, a massive puddle of a man <laughs> crawls into the room He looks like he's melting into the floor. Professor X has crawled out of bed. It's taken him this long to crawl from his bed, down the stairs, up some stairs, around some corners. He put on a suit.
2: (laughs) All of the buttons to, like, activate all the doors are basically, you know, at at hip length. So he has to, like, shimmy up the wall so that he can push the button to open up the door.
1: He was in pajamas, so he put on a suit <laughs> and then crawled all the way over to the, the uh the danger room. Well you gotta he's the professor. I gotta look snappy, even though the X-Men are getting attacked. Must hurry to the uh, need to tie this tie. Uh, where's uh, the mirror? I think I'll take a nap here. <laughs> crawling into the bathroom where the mirror is. Ugh, finishing tie. Mirror too
2: high. <laughs> Must hold myself up by the sink. Oh, the sink has fallen down. Oh, water's getting everywhere. This is going to be a huge mess. Must repair sink. <laughs> uh, uh, have to go to tool shed. To get some tools. Darn it. I forgot my plumber's tape. Got to go back to the shed.
1: So he's been all over the mansion. <laughs>
2: Well, by the time he makes it to the danger room, he is actually able to basically stop thinking about the old X-Men and they they disappear.
1: Right, because he has been thinking them into existence because of his, his, his weird dream, which doesn't really make a whole lot of sense. But then Wolverine says, or no, that's Banshee. I don't know. It's the bubble, the the word balloons pointing between the two of them. Hold up, troops! If Xavier's behind all this, how come I hear someone laughing? And that's when Green Xavier shows up. I'm gonna go with Nosferatu Xavier. He looks like an evil Xavier, I guess.
2: Because your benign mentor is not the mastermind of this entertainment, little man. It is I. That
1: face. It's Professor Xavier's, but so evil. Who, what are you? That's for me to know, fool. Suffice to say that I am the
2: deadliest foe you've ever faced.
1: And Cyclops blasts him. Pew, pew, pew he says. Uh... And he disappears and reappears on the other side of the room. You clod, How can you hurt someone who isn't there?
0: Oh, Bob, I can see you. And Wolverine can see. He can cut. Cripes, he tore the floor open with a wave of his hand. It's some kind of bottomless pit, and I'm falling in.
2: <laughs> and that's when Colossus catches Wolverine by his leg.
1: It looks like he's crushing his
2: leg. <laughs> it does. His, his uh, ankle bone is shattered. Uh, Wolverine uh, says, this is crazy. My senses tell me that... I'm falling into a chasm, but I'm not. Part of me is telling me it's an illusion, and I'm really lying on the floor. But oh my <laughs> God, it looks so real.
1: Trust your instincts, Wolverine. Your feelings. The pit is an illusion. But should you yield to its embrace, your belief in its existence will kill you as surely as real as a real fall into a real chasm. Yikes. <laughs>
2: The professor goes on to talk about, as for my demonic doppelganger, he is not the only one who can toy with images. The old, what's his voice? The old X-Men. I lost his voice. Well, the old X-Men. It's just just evil. (laughs) The old
0: X-Men?
1: What?
2: (laughs) (laughs) Yes. Whatever that voice was, uh, the old X-Men come and pummel uh, evil Nosferatu Professor Xavier, and they all disappear.
1: Professor Xavier, still on the floor, says, I'll not have my mind usurped by anyone, least of all myself. That was my evil self, X-Men. The Charles Xavier who would use his powers for personal gain and conquest. The Mr. Hyde to my um, Dr. Jekyll. Usually I have no trouble keeping that part of my psyche in check. And, um... I'm going to think the rest of this to myself. (laughs) (laughs) And I'm just going to kind of leave you hanging
2: on that thought, questioning, could I possibly be that evil? And uh, why did I think to myself that this could be a possible outcome of my identity?
1: Nope, just going
2: to leave you hanging.
1: (laughs) Am I going mad? And in my madness, will I slay those I love most?
2: Well, we flip back to the rooftop where the professor has come out of his dream Fire Lord is gone. Misty is gone. Jean's parents are gone. It's nighttime.
1: They're just off-panel.
2: It's dark out. Look at—he's in shadows. Like he's been there for hours. You think they just left him there? His his pants are wet. I mean, he's—it's just—it's not a good sight. He... They were like Misty was like, "I'm hungry. <laughs> he will be you fine. Guys want to go get some sandwiches."
1: So they go down and get some.
2: He can't. He can't go anywhere. He can't even walk. <laughs> just leave him there.
1: He knows now that what's tormented him these past months hasn't been madness at all, but a forced rapport between two telepathic minds that are strikingly similar yet frighteningly alien. For the uh, after, and by reliving the first manifestation of this nightmare, he's finally laid rest personal his personal demons to rest. Yay.
2: for the first time in many months, Charles Xavier's at peace. But if the X-Men fail, as well they might. Then it's a piece whose life can be measured in hours. Next issue, finally, part one of the conclusion of Xavier's dream, as the X Men find themselves fighting for their lives with the fate of the universe itself hanging in the balance in a title they call Where No X Man Has Gone Before.
0: Dun, 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 dun. <laughs>
2: Wolverine vlog Stardate 91273 Cyclops is a douche
0: (laughs) (laughs) Wolverine vlog
2: There you go That was was the abortion That was X-Men number 106 (laughs) Um, I read in my scan A little bit of backstory on this But I don't have my scan with me Since I'm reading from the masterworks Which does not include the letters section So Adam can
1: you fill us in On why this issue exists um It's interesting. First, we get a letter from Chris Claremont in the letters page, and he describes the fact that the much-awaited conclusion of the Princess-slash-Xavier's-Dream-slash-Star-War-slash-Eric-The-Red subplot will be conti- con- continued next issue. I-, I didn't know there was a Star-War subplot in there. But anyway, Uh basically... Dave is off drawing issue one of um, another comic. um, Some sword. Warlord of Mars, that movie that just came out. John Carter. John Carter. Oh. I didn't Um, realize Marvel had anything to do with that. I thought
2: it was a Disney character.
1: Well, who who owns marvel these days? Well it's disney. Oh. <laughs> no, I, uh, the John Carter is like from the 20s I think. Yeah, 19, it's a it's a 1920s. book 20s. It's, it's really it's a really old book, maybe even earlier than that. Yeah. Um and I guess Marvel got the rights to do a comic book around this time and Dave Cockrum wanted to draw the first issue and I don't know if he drew anything after that but given that the the scheduling had the two issues come out at the same time, this particular X-Men issue 106 and John Carter number one. I'm guessing maybe John Carter number one was double-sized as well. Don't know that. Just taking a guess. And uh, so he wasn't able to do it. There wasn't enough time. So two years ago when they first started drawing this comic book, Bob Brown and Bill Mantlo did a uh, issue of X-Men that was planned to be a fill-in issue should anything ever happen to foul up the regular schedule, which is what I just described as having happened. So they threw it in there. Yep. And this letter that Chris Claremont writes is also a eulogy to Bob Brown, who died about three weeks as of his writing this. So it's also sad.
2: Well, right. So I take back everything I said about his artwork.
1: I should say. (laughs) Giant goggles. (laughs) It was the giant goggles that killed him.
2: (laughs) I never got those goggles right. (sighs) That's not not funny at all, Adam. (laughs) Can't even believe you said that joke. You're the one who ran with it. <laughs> Anyhow, uh, yeah, so it, it is an interesting insight as to why the issue actually exists. And it's it's a eulogy, yes, but it's almost kind of like an apology for the issue. Like, well, you know, we're a little bit it's better than nothing, right? So true X-Men fans had to go like four months before they got the beginning of the conclusion of the story they were so heavily involved in. I'm wondering. I'll be curious what the letters in issue one oh eight are.
1: Like if they're all, you you think they're they're gonna just refer to this issue, and they'll all be like, "What the heck was that issue about? Why was Wolverine's voice all so high pitchy again?"
2: Yeah, that's exactly what I anticipate the letters to be. Uh, yeah. No, I don't know. So anyways, there you go. And, uh, I mean, I guess, uh, Chris Claremont was so
1: regretful
2: of the issue that it's not even included in the classic
1: X-Men run. Well, it breaks up the storyline and there's no need to break up the storyline in the classic X-Men run. So they just kind of skipped it. Well,
2: it's a, it's a classic X-Men tale though. I mean, it's not complete. There's a little bit of story. I mean, you get the conclusion of what happened to Fire Lord. No, not really. But you do get some more Firelord.
1: Lord. Uh, yeah, I don't know. I, I guess maybe Classic X-Men will throw some more Firelord in there at some point. Probably not, though.
2: <laughs> maybe, yeah, the next week's uh, Classic X-Men backup story is what happened to Fire Lord. Right. <laughs> Spoilers, it's not true okay well did we get any uh notes or anything else that we want to we want to mention here
1: we got a second letter from wesley hansen saying hey guys keep it up i love the danger room podcast i just want to say i can't wait to hear more of the uncanny x-men he is up to 138 and he also just got his copy of incredible x incredible incredible x-men incredible hulk 181 signed by lynn ween and he is also going to meet stan the man lee this august at wizard so once again good job and keep it up and uh wesley make sure you mention us to stan so we can <laughs> get him on here we can do like an interview he can actually he can co-host maybe for an episode
2: sure sure he'd take my place uh i have a story a quick little story about stan lee yeah yeah, I mean it's not that interesting. It's more of a it's more of a letdown story. But when I was much younger, uh, I knew a, a somehow like, through mutual work uh, acquaintances, my father knew a woman who was dating Steve Rude. And uh, do you know who Steve Rude is? No. He's an artist. He started out on Nexus way back in the '80s, but he's drawn some X Men offside stories. He's drawn a lot of stuff. If you look up Steve Roode, he's he's got credits in both Marvel, DC, and then the uh, third-party titles as well. Anyways, so um, she knew him, and I got to meet him. I got some autographed books by Steve Rude, and uh, that was cool. And through that connection, I uh, was made aware that Stanley was going to be at one of the local comic book stores here in Madison. And uh, she was like, do you do you? I mean, it was going to it was going to be while I was at school. So there was no way that I could go. But she's like, you know, I'm going to be there because Steve's going to be there and they're going to be doing this whole thing. And would you like me to get his autograph? I was like, of course, I would like you to get his autograph for me. And so she did. And for the longest time, I had this autograph that said to Jolly Jeremy Gotcher. uh, I think at the time I said I was interested in drawing. So I think it might have said, like, keep up the drawing. Your friend Stanley, or something like that. And I had that and I put it in a uh, Mylar bag with a backing board and I put it in my comic book collection. Every now and then I'd look it out and be like, Stanley's autograph. And I put it back in. And God help me, while I have every comic book I ever collected except those that I sold on eBay stupidly, I cannot find my Stanley autograph. It is gone. And I have looked multiple times, even recently, I've looked. Very, very sad and disappointing. So I didn't actually ever get to meet him, but at least I had his autograph at one point. There's still time. Wesley will make it happen. Wesley, if you get this before you get to WizardCon, please get his autograph for me (laughs) to replace (laughs) the one that I lost. And ask him if he remembers the autograph he gave me the original time.
1: (laughs) Does he remember Jolly Jeremy? (laughs) Do you
2: remember Jolly Jeremy? (laughs) That he never met. You encouraged him to keep drawing, but you never actually met him. He proxied the autograph. Well good for good for you, uh Wesley. Uh that'll be fun. You know, I just uh I hate to do this again, but Stan Lee was on uh Kevin Smith's podcast and I listened to it and uh I really like listening to Stan Lee talk.
1: I do too. He's very enjoyable. He seems to tell the same four stories over and over again, but I like those four stories.
2: I do too, and even though you know exactly what's going to happen next, you're like you just you're just on the edge of your seat, like, yeah, what happened next?
1: <laughs> yeah, and he is he is like he is like the original comic book storyteller. I mean, he's like, he was there. He's he's super important. He's just a, <laughs> he was, he's just like an amazing guy. He was there. He was,
2: period. He was. Yes. <laughs> he wasn't he just was. there. He was. So good for you. Uh, have fun with that. And uh, you know, you, you should just uh, in the every bathroom that you go to, just write the Danger Room podcast on the the bathroom walls, so that we get pornographic. Prank calls from Mister <laughs> 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 All right, let's move on.
1: Anything else, Adam? Uh, yeah, definitely. Definitely tell us uh, how your meeting with Stanley goes. You uh, can write us at Danger Room at redcapproductions.com. dot com. You better take over because that's all I remember.
2: <laughs> Visit us at uh, www.facebook.com dot forward slash Danger Room Podcast. You can follow us at Danger Room Go. And uh, go out to our iTunes page if you would. Just go into iTunes, type in Danger Room under the podcast section and take a look at our podcast from there. You could give us a rating. I think we're now looking for the big 40 milestone. And I think we're still at 37. So leave a a shout out there or at least give us a good rating. And you could also call us. The number is 501-GET-X-MEN. Adam, did you look up the numbers this time?
1: No, but I'm looking at it on my iPhone right now. That would be 501 get x men uh four three eight nine six three six. I hope you wrote that down so that we don't ever have to do that again.
2: <laughs> so now that we went through the trouble of actually telling you what the phone number is, hit the back 30 seconds, listen again, and give us a call and let us know what's going on. As a matter of fact, if anybody else is going out to WizardCon, you should just call us from there and leave us a little message and say, hey, we're here, and you're not, and then hang up. We'll totally put that in the podcast.
1: You should do something where you get everybody at WizardCon to shout at the phone oh. and, sing, and sing happy birthday to Jeremy.
2: Sure. Yeah, well, that was two days ago, so you're a little late for that. But you... and by the
1: time you hear this, it'll have been two weeks ago.
2: Or but... you, you, you could get various comic creators saying, my name is so and so, and I've never listened to Danger Room. And then, yeah, and then, we would totally use that, and we could use those as promos. Oh my gosh!
1: Or it gets, let's just have our fans do all our legwork for us. Or
2: get Stanley saying, "There's a couple of guys doing what with my X-Men?" <laughs>
1: yeah, maybe we shouldn't tell Stanley.
2: <laughs> all right. Uh, and, oh, he doesn't uh,
1: work for Marvel anymore.
2: You can tell him. Yeah. Yeah, he don't care uh in fact i think anytime we ever say marvel he magically just gets a nickel so <laughs> um i think that's all the ways that you can get a hold of us also go out and visit us at www.xmenpodcast.com that's where all of the episodes are located as well as the panels and of course all of the linking information is uh is right there if you'd also like to use it just from the website
1: uh i got a quick brief quick brief summary of uh champions two and three Basically, the stories continue, and um, the the team fights several, uh, I don't know, what are they, Greek gods? Pluto, Ares, and Hippo, Hippolyta, Hippolyta. And uh, the X-Men-related stuff that's interesting are when Black Widow starts taking over the team, and uh, Angel says, or she says to Angel, Is
0: that an objection, young man?
1: And he says, Angel says, heck no, you are darn sight more attractive than the last team leader I worked with. <gasps> <laughs> then we get a caption that says here now. And then it's signed Chris Claremont. And then uh let's then let's find the huntsman before he finds us. And Iceman says, or to put it as Cyclops, the previously referred to leader might have put it, let's go. What? Did Cyclops ever say, let's go?
2: Is that Cyclops' catchphrase? Apparently. Let's go! Oh, it's a, it's a Cyclops zinger.
1: <laughs> so in the in issue two, they be, they get beaten by Pluto and Hercules, and uh, Venus get kidnapped to get married off to Ares and Hippolyta, Hippolyta, which I, I really should know how to say that, but I don't. Meh. And in the next issue, we get this interesting... Uh, depression phase of Iceman because he he always likes to get depressed. He says, we're failures all the way down the line. We blew it with Herc and Venus, just like I've messed things up as far back as I can remember. And it shows, Mr. Drake. It shows. Scotty and the new X-Men sound like they're doing just fine without me and Warren. Hank's got it made with the Avengers. And the girl I loved, Lorna Dane, has forgotten all about me. The only thing that matters to her these days is Alex Summers. But the thing that tops it off is that the world may be right. Mutants may be dangerous, but only because some of them are failures. Hmm.
2: (laughs) So does Iceman not realize that Lorna and Alex are evil, quote unquote? I I guess not. Hmm. Okay.
1: Anyway, they find a, a, a path. The champions, the human versions of the champions, find a path to the Olympus where they battle a bunch of gods and win with the help of Hercules and Zeus. And they decide that they're going to go back to Earth together, but they haven't really decided that they're a team yet. Huh. But I'm sure they will be.
2: We <laughs> <laughs> Well then, good on them. That's all. Okay. Well then, uh, I think that about does it for us. Um, so yeah, uh, until next week, the Danger Room is closed. I started shaking, my legs were quaking, my stomach aching, my brain was breaking. Started turning green,
0: feeling mean, it was like in that story. I was acting strange, quite deranged, it was pure allegory. Allegory, a story where the characters stand for abstract ideas. For example, good and evil. Cause I- Check it oh
2: high check oh high high check it